CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. The guys here are getting ready for a very big show. Here's what's coming up. Apple shares are rotting this month. But if you lost money in the stock, don't worry. Because Dan Nathan is a way to trade it on the cheap. And he'll tell you how to do it. Plus, doesn't that look refreshing? Cohen Carter thinks so. And they'll tell you why Coca-Cola could be the ultimate summer sizzler. And later, it's worth Carter worth. Because the chartmaster was spot on with his bold bond call earlier this year. And you'll never believe where he says they are headed next. He'll explain. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start right there with the bond bombshell rocking the markets this week. The yield on the U.S. 10-year yield sinking uh, to 2.14 percent, its lowest level since September 2017 as the S&P 500 closed out its longest weekly losing streak in five years. The rate shock coming as no surprise to Carter Worth, who actually called for it earlier this year. Ultimately, I think that after toying with these tops and ever so slightly breaking out and pivoting down, that we are going to make our way higher. I, I like TLT on the long side here. I think this is a good bet. I'm in the camp, in fact, that yields are going as low as 2.1% on the 10-year. Prescient call. So what comes next? Carter's at the plasma, breaking it down. Carter. All right, so we got to, what do we have? I think like 2.12 today. So we're effectively there. There's a slight unfilled gap down a little bit lower, 2.07. But tactically, we've come a long way, and I think you can probably play this uh, the other way, which is to say... Um, Trim, uh, take profits in TLT. <clears throat> Ten-year yield, all data chart going back to the 60s. Let's draw the lines. It's a very precise line, interestingly. And yields failed. It's one of the reasons to try to make a bet against it. Yields failed precisely, precisely. They got here precisely, and they failed. That was the entire point of making the bet that uh, they would stop. Now, the 2% level is effectively the midpoint of all of this. And... At this point, I think you've got the prospects of, uh, again, a little bit of mean reversion. So here's the 10-year yield chart. And what we know is that it's had some pretty big rebounds, 25 basis points, 27 basis points. And the sequence, if you will, uh, would call for something along those lines here. Now, does it have to start here? Could it start from actually a 2.07 or a little bit lower? But we, we are sort of oversold, overdone, if you will, and, and I think you get that sort of uh, bounce coming up here. So the reciprocal course is TLT. We know it was a great uh, breakout from the tops, but the issue is having broken out from those tops, yes, or having completed the head and shoulders bottom, or, frankly, having to some extent done your cup and handle, at this point, I would think you get a pullback. And so the betting here is that after some pretty good gains at TLT, that you've got this kind of potential. All right. Well, Mike is out in San Francisco today. Mike, what do you think of Carter's call? 
Yeah, well, obviously he had a great call earlier this year. I mean, we heard that from a couple of quarters. It's interesting. We began the year basically with the general understanding that, that the longer rates were going to go higher. And now it seems like universally the view is that they're going to go lower. And I think when everybody is looking for rates to descend, that might actually mean that they've descended as far as they're about to. And we'll also remember that it was about three weeks ago that Jeff Gunlock was talking about the fact that options were very cheap on TLT. He actually was talking about being a straddle buyer. We talked about that, I think, three weeks ago, the August 125 straddle. Obviously, we've seen a very sharp move. That straddle, which was about five bucks, is now about seven and a half. But still, the price of options remains relatively cheap. So two things I would say. Number one, if you had that straddle on, you definitely want to take the call leg off or at the very least roll it up. But my view is to go along with Carter here, make a bearish bet on TLT, which is bullish on the, on the rate side, especially after John Williams' comments where he was basically saying, don't worry about keeping your powder dry lower for longer, be very aggressive. And obviously, if we do see that, if we do see some aggressiveness from the Fed, basically, in monetary policy, that could basically steepen the term structure, basically, of yield. So what I would do here is just look out to August. The 130 puts were trading for about 2 bucks. I think that's an inexpensive bet right here. And one of the things we can notice from TLT is that when it starts to move in a single direction, it sort of goes that way for a little while. We're trying to take advantage of that. And I think that's the way you want to make a play right now that TLT could fall. Dan, what do you think of the call and the trade? Um, you know, I look at his cup and handle, and that looks like an amazing breakout to me. And if you think of the momentum it has, and then you kind of put together the fact that options are really cheap in it, you know, I almost take the other side and say, I think you could have a, a continuation of that breakout, and the TLT could get back to 140, where it got to back in 2016. But, you know, that's here nor there. I, you know, I don't Well, that's have... important. It's just that how you get there. And I mean, yeah. ultimately, what we know is that in the next recession, we're going to 1%. We could go yeah. negative like the rest of Europe. The Fed could start buying stocks like the, uh, the Bank of Japan. But yeah. the point is, the day-to-day -day angle is a bit much, right? Yeah, Even Steve. if you go to 140, you don't go there like this. This is where you flag, you pull back. It, it, it's interesting, though. I think back to the last time that the TLT was trading above 130, what did we have? We had crude collapsing. Um, you know, we had safe haven assets like U.S. Treasuries. We had the Dixie. The dollar index was bid. We know that's bid right now. We know that crude's collapsing. I say to myself, this could be a kind of messy summer if we don't have any resolution to all these trade things going on. And I think you're going to continue to see crowding in U.S. Treasuries or the dollar. I guess the difference, though, would be in the timing. I mean, directionally, longer term, right, you think that yields will go lower, Listen, if that was a stock... But shorter term, you you might agree with these guys. I might. Uh, you know, I mean, listen... Like if that were a stock we were playing for a breakout, right, yeah. and we put an option, we would harvest that, right? Or we'd roll down or yeah. roll out. Well, here, here's the good news about Mike's trade, okay? Like, literally, it was trading at his break-even at 128, like, three sessions ago. And so vol is cheap enough, options are cheap enough that if you get that move, you're going to have an opportunity to do something, spread those, that sort of thing, and kind of, like you say, harvest or lock in some of those gains on a very near-term basis. Mike, last word. Yeah, I think what Dan just said is a really good point, too. On these types of trades, whether you're making a bullish bet or a bearish one, you really have to take a look at rolling those situations when you do start seeing those trades get into the money. So like those 125 calls, you want to adjust that. And if you're making this bearish bet now, you're going to want to adjust it if we do see TLT fall back down to that 125 level.
All right, well, from a rate route to a rotten apple, the tech giant getting swept up in the trade tantrum, sinking nearly 13% in May and shedding $120 billion in market cap during that time. Apple now sitting firmly in a bear market, down more than 20% from its 52-week high. The company's Worldwide Developers Conference is Monday. So how do you play the stock? Dan. You do not play it for the Worldwide Developers Conference. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that can come out of there that's going to move this stock. They did this event in March when they uh, focused on a lot of their services and that's usually when they used to do that in June at the developers conference so I don't think that's a catalyst whatsoever the stock is down basically 19% since uh, April since the highs in April and I think it's really important to think about where this stock has been in Q4 this stock had a 40% peak to trough decline and when you think about 2019 January 2nd this company had their first negative earnings pre-announcement in more than a decade the stock traded at 142 that was down almost 40% interestingly though that April 30th high right after that earnings announcement also came after um, an earnings announcement where Tim Cook said in Jan 2nd he said China's a problem and April 3rd he said China okay. So here we are down 20% in what feels like a straight line. I have a chart. I'll let Carter speak to it. To my eye the thing's in absolute no man's land. If you look at the range I see technical resistance up at that 200 to 220 level and I see some pretty good support at 160 to 140 and so I say to myself the next two events. One, we cannot model. We don't know when it's going to happen, if there will be some resolution to the trade situation. And then the next one, which has been a huge catalyst for the stock over the last six months, will be earnings. And that will come in late July. So we get this question all the time. I know Mike does. I know Carter gets asked this question about Apple. Everybody usually wants to buy Apple. It's been a good trading vehicle. So the question here is, how do I get some long exposure if I think there will be some sort of trade resolution? And Apple's one of those names that should get almost an immediate pop on that. And so I'd say you could buy calls, but implied volatility, the price of options is kind of high. So I want to create a structure that gives me long exposure, gives me some wiggle room on that entry point, because I said it's kind of in no man's land. And I want to do what's called a risk reversal. I want to look out to August expiration. That's going to capture earnings, and it's going to capture probably a good bit of volatility associated with this trade discussion. When the stock closed at 175 today, you could buy what's called um, a risk reversal. You could sell the August 150 put and about two dollars and seventy five cents you use the proceeds of that and buy one of the August 195 calls for two dollars and seventy five cents like I said it doesn't cost you anything on a mark to mark basis between now and August expiration as the stock moves up towards that long call strike of 195 this this uh, trade should show profits on August expiration it's profitable above 195. On the way down, closer to that short 150 put strike, you're going to have losses on a mark-to-mark -mark basis. And then August expiration, below 150, worst case scenario, you are put the stock, 100 shares per one contract short, and you will suffer losses below it. The highest probability is that you don't have a big loss or a big gain, but if you're prepared to buy the stock down 15% almost at 150, this is not a bad structure. And if you're looking for leverage to an upside snap on any good news, this is also a good structure. Do you like the charts? Well, so I think the thing you started with is the, is the key point. It is in no man's yeah. land, right? It, it sold off quite a bit over the last three weeks, so to that extent it's oversold, but it's been a dud all along. It never could get back to as high as the SP. What about the exact opposite? What about selling, no one does it, of course, naked, yeah. the 190, 160 yeah. strangle, and watching this thing like a pinball sit stuck in the range and, and play for decay? 
Yeah, I, I mean, listen, part of the thing is, is like, the question is, do you buy it here at 175, down 20% in six weeks? I'd say no. Do I want to buy calls to get that long exposure? I say no. Could you sell just the put to get, you know, take in some of that premium? Uh, yeah, but to me, what a risk reversal is, is selling a put and buying a call, and but I have a very a wide range bias. here. Well, it does have a direct Let's, let's right, ask Mike to break this tie. Mike, yeah. would you rather Dan's trade or Carter's trade? You know, I, I actually like what Carter's talking about here. I mean, there's one part, and look, Dan it would be half right. If I agree with Carter, then Dan is half right. Why is that? Because he is selling a downside put. And I do think that there probably is, at some level, some measure of support for the stock. He's chosen the 150 strike, which is actually a good bit lower than where it's currently trading. But, I mean, I would take a look back at this most recent earnings result, which was a disappointment, and say to yourself, okay, now with the stock trading between 14, 15 times earnings, a stock that has traditionally traded closer to 10 times earnings because nobody believed they could keep up that growth. That was always the story. It traded cheap because nobody believed it would continue to grow their iPhone sales. Now we're starting to see disappointment in that area, and it's trading at a higher multiple, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm trying to have a figure out how it's going to go materially higher. So I'm with Dan in selling the 150 put, or even the 160 put possibly that Carter's suggesting, but I'd probably be an upside call seller as well. So Mike, half right, that's a story of my life. Thanks for telling everybody in America. Um, no, so I would just say this quickly. You would only do this trade if you believe two things. One, that the stock is really oversold and that the fact that the, the, the trade news is going to get better and then that will give the company in late July the ability to guide better for the second half. That's why you would do this trade. I am not bullish on the stock at 175. I think there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. I do think that there's risk near term to the downside. All right, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It is the perfect summer beach read. Here's what's coming up next. We'd like to buy the world of Coke because Cohen Carter think the Dow stock could be a hot trade this summer. They'll tell us why. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. The Dow just closed out its worst May since 2010, down more than 6% this month. But if you got swept up in the sell-off, don't worry, because Carter's back at the plaza with a refreshing Dow name investors can sip on this summer. Carter. Coke. I mean, maybe not exciting or anything, but I, there's a the disconnect between Coca-Cola and other staple stocks, which have been on fire, and I think uh, its lagging nature is perhaps at an end. Here is the past decade at... 10-year chart and the lines are clear. Coca-Cola bringing up the rear at 100%, underperforming its own peers like Procter & Gamble, soap and cereal companies, Pepsi in fact. So there's the orange line and then all of which underperforming the market, right? So Coke up 50% of the market. Now, what's happened of late? So here's Coke on its own the past several years and here is its relative performance. So Obviously, it's been a dud, which is to say that even as Coke's gone higher, it's underperformed the market. But what started to happen is that not only is it up of late, it's actually outperforming the market. And you can see that here, the, the simple shape of the line. If this line is rising, it reflects uh, outperformance 
relative to a benchmark. Um, moving on. Another way to draw the lines. This is with a moving average. The moving average has now turned. And that's a very important circumstance. So a bearish to bullish reversal in the relative performance of this major consumer staple to all staples, the XLP. And then there's this. Put it in numerical form. This is a bad month. We just heard it. Very bad May. And what has Coke done? It's done that. Versus the staples. Versus the market. That kind of relative performance means something. Here is the simple last chart. What I think we're going to do is we're just going to make a slight new high and or hold up better than the market. Either way, this is a place I want to belong. All right. Come on back, Carter. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so, you know, Coke is an interesting situation amongst the staple stocks, I think, just from a fundamental standpoint. One of the reasons I think that we've seen it lag its sector obviously had to do with secular trends, specifically their business of selling soft drinks. If we, That hasn't exactly been the most favored place to be, and obviously they've been facing a lot of competition. However, I do sort of suspect that that weakness may actually have leveled off here. And the other thing I would say about Coke is, like many of the other staple stocks, these things have bond-like volatility, which is to say the volatility is exceptionally low. The price of the options, therefore, is also exceptionally low. And therefore, I think we can keep the trades relatively simple. You know, in this case, I was just looking out to August. The 49 calls were trading about a buck and a half when I was looking at these earlier today. And those were slightly in the money already. The other thing I would point out is that, you know, the most recent highs that we saw would have been right around the break even for this trade at about 50 and a half bucks. So I'm kind of looking at that situation. Also, dividend payers like Coke tend to have relatively cheap calls. So this is one of those situations where we look to keep it simple. But kind of like those other simple trades, that doesn't mean you can just set this thing and forget it. You don't want to ignore it. If we do start to get a move in this thing, you are going to want to adjust these strikes up and out, most likely if you're going to press your bullish bets thereafter. What do you think of the Coca-Cola trade? Um, I, listen, I see what Carter sees. I see the potential for a breakout. I see a, you know, a stock that um, you know, has had low volatility. And if you just look at those calls that Mike just mentioned, he's risking 3% of the stock price to kind of make this bet that it's going to break out in line with his thing. I'll just say this, that all of a sudden, though, we're seeing this year some real volatility in some of these consumer names. We can look at Kraft Heinz. We can look at Coke had a massive gap on a, on a big um, gross margin miss back in February. You saw what Johnson & Johnson did um, just this week. So, you know, I say to myself, with a stock that's growing or uh, this company's growing earnings, you know, low single digits at best for eternity trading at 23 times, I don't, I don't love it. But, um, you know, I guess you got to do some things out there. You got to put some money to work. Right. I mean, remember, like 98% of all capital is long only. Yeah. An institutional yeah. level has the ability to hold little or no cash. And in a period where a lot of things are in question and a lot of other stable stocks have come really to life, Coke has lagged. And yet, day to day, look at this week. Yeah. It crushed its peers. So either that's a tell or not, I think it is a tell. Mike, final word on this trade. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I think is that we probably aren't going to see some correlation between rates and equities. And for those that are paying dividends, maybe those, you know, that's another thing that we're making a bet on here. Uh, so, you know, I mean, for me, I think that this is a situation where would I go out and buy the stock uh, right here at these valuations that Dan was referencing? Probably not. But the calls are relatively cheap. So if you size your, your trades right, you can make these bullish bets without risking a great deal. 
All right, up next, Home Depot getting swept up in the market's May mayhem. Falling 6%, we'll tell you how much worse it could get. Plus, have a burning options questions for the traders? Of course you do. Send us a tweet to add options action, and maybe, just maybe, if you're really lucky, you'll get an answer on air. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back on some of our open trades. A few weeks ago, Cohen Carter said Home Depot was on shaky ground. The relative performance to the market has been uh, tepid at best. That's, a, that's another warning sign. And so my thought is here that one should be cautious if one's long going into earnings at Home Depot and or be short. I was just looking out to June. The 190, 180 put spread was about $2.50. You would spend $3.90 to buy the higher 190 strikes and sell the lower, one, lower strike for about $1.40. Home Depot's down around 2% since the time of the call. Mike, how do you manage this one? Yeah, so this trade is up a little bit of money. It's about 3.30 the way it closed today. It was actually closer to 5 earlier this week. But one of the things I noticed was that Home Depot actually seemed to outperform the market since its Monday lows. So to me, I think we ought to just take the money and run on this, and I'll defer to Carter to see what he has to say about it. 100%. I mean, I think that what we were hoping for is actually what happened to Lowe's. Lowe's got murdered on its number. Home Depot held up better. And in that sense, the opportunity has come and gone. Dan Quick? Yeah, I think it just goes back to retail in general. I mean, we saw generally a lot more disappointments than we saw relief rallies here, and I think it keeps selling them on rallies. All right, up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Daniel asks, what are your thoughts on the square 65 calls looking at June expiration? Dan. Uh, Daniel, my brother, here's the thing. Those costs about buck thirty-five. They uh, expire in about three weeks. They break even up about 7%. The options market is saying there's about a 33% probability that they're in the money. If you want to get long, I don't think that's exactly the way to do it. you got to get a lot of things right to merely just break even there. So to me, I would not be a buyer of those if I'm looking for long exposure. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pitch, Michael Coe. Rates are low, so are options prices on TLT. I think the August 130 puts are the way to bet that they're not going to go much lower in a straight line. Carter Braxton North. Maybe take some profits in TLT, the thinking is, and then uh, put it into Coke on the long side. Dan Nathan. Uh, yeah, so Apple obviously has this event. Expectations are not high, but really the main event is going to be trade. So to me, the idea of buying it here, I'm not so enthused by that. But by creating a band where you can get long on the downside and the upside, that makes more sense to me right now. That does it for us. We'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.